Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I am your host, Ren Robbins, and I'm excited that you're here. This is the place where you will feel encouraged as I share my friends' God stories with you. Whether you are on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or taking me with you on your walk, I pray that you will feel seen by God and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. This episode of Friends of a Feather is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast, which is designed to encourage you that God can use you to impact His kingdom no matter your story. You can find Grace Enough anywhere you listen to podcasts or at graceenoughpodcast.com. Today, I am excited to welcome you to episode 160 of the Friends of a Feather podcast where your host, Wren Robbins, is continuing to chat with women about the importance of biblical literacy. Well, welcome to the podcast, Caroline. Thank you. I'm really excited to chat with you. This is so fun because you have been on a previous episode way almost at the beginning. I think it was like 35. So welcome back. Thanks. It's good to be here. I feel right at home. Well, the cool thing about it is when I was looking up your bio, like to read, like to introduce you, I'm thinking, I don't even need to look this up. I know Caroline, like I'm on like stalker count, Caroline, you know? (laughs) Well, ditto. I could probably give you a bio too. (laughs) (laughs) So what y'all may not know, may not know is that Caroline and I are, um, we grew up in the same church. She was much younger than I was, <clears throat> but her grandmother taught me when I was four years old in the church. Oh She's precious. God. Her family's precious. Her parents taught Jim and I when we were first married. And so I am, we are, um, Francis, I was going to say we're brothers from another mother, but we are not brothers. <laughs> so I don't even know what I'm saying. Anyway. Let me tell you a little bit about Caroline. I can't wait for y'all to hear from her today. But Caroline is a mom to three, and she is a pastor's wife, and she is a writer. She had a new book coming, uh, came out this past uh, fall called Better Than Life, which is BTL, which every time I see it, it looks like BLT, which is bacon, lettuce, tomato, right? right. So she is hilarious, but she says that she is taking... Um, God serious, but, and I just butchered that. She's taking God serious and nothing else. Is that right? right? Yeah. We say taking Jesus seriously and not much else. I just like to be unserious about anything I possibly can be. So, (laughs) okay. So let's jump in because I invited Caroline to come on the podcast to talk today about how we can disciple our teenage girls, our tween age girls. Is that a, is that a word? Yeah, sure. I want to dig into that today, Caroline, and I want you to tell us what is life like at Caroline Saunders' house? Well, you know, just thinking about just yesterday, like the scene would be my one-year-old is sticking the remote in the trash, my lotion in the trash. He's got a curling iron that he likes to get and hide really hard to get ready when all your stuff is in strange places. So, so that's always going on. My five-year-old yesterday made himself throw up because I made him have one fourth of one green bean 
Oh, he just can't. He could not, could not handle it. And anyway, I like laughed my head off, but felt bad. I don't know what a so much drama. Okay. And then my six-year-old, she is just endlessly artistic. She can't help it. She creates all kinds of things. So we've got weird little projects everywhere. And then she's also just trying to be the mom all the time, which, you know, I mean, nobody wants their sister to act like a mom. But on the other hand, I am always a little tempted because I'm like, can she just handle this? I'm gonna take a break for a minute. But that's, that's pretty much our dynamic. Um, And then I feel like in the midst of it all, I'm trying to uh, stay calm. I'm trying to hunt for fun. And I'm trying to develop like simple systems in my house to keep things as low maintenance as possible. But then just as often, I feel like my hair is on fire. So I don't know. I mean, that's kind of what our house is like. And then my husband and I, uh, I always feel like we have a funny dynamic because we are hilariously terrible at communication. Like our friends all know this. They're like, you guys didn't talk about that. We're like, no, we really didn't. But at the same time, we're talking all the time and we'll, you know, deep dive the book of Jonah, but forget to tell one another, you know, where we're going to be at a certain time. So we just have like backwards communication and uh, I kind of like it. I'm like, that's just really us. And so I think for the most part, I really like being at home with my people. Um, and just as often I'll think like, I got to get out of here, but I, I really do love my house and I love our, our brand of chaos. So that's our house. (laughs) It's great. It sounds like a ball of fun. I mean, I think I would love it personally. I think it would be super fun just to be a fly on the wall. So yeah, on a good day, it's really good. And then on a bad day, I'm like, what is happening? So, you know, (laughs) a little good with the bad, right? That's right. That's right. right. (laughs) Okay. So you're known for writing and really teaching about God's word, about women digging in deep to God's word. But recently you came out with the book I mentioned earlier, Better Than Life, and it's for teenage girls, discipling teenage girls. So tell me a little bit about you were at a Lifeway event and you were teaching about teaching the word of God to teenage girls. What do you want us as moms? Maybe we don't have teenagers yet, or maybe we do, or they're just now starting to go into middle school and the changes and all the things. Um, What do you want us as moms to know about teenage girls today? Well, you know, I I think that most people could could notice this, but girls today, and, and really us too, we're so used to being sold to and marketed to. And I think we've developed a very sharp eye for anything phony. And so because of that, I think the primary thing that believers need to cultivate is a genuine, delighted faith. And, you know, delight is something that is just by nature very contagious. And so when we want to serve teenage girls well, I think it's less about figuring out how to be cool. They're, you're not going to be cool. You're not cool. We're not cool. They're, they're going to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's not even try. And I don't even think we have to hustle to make them like us. Um, I have felt that burden before of like, oh, I just want to make sure, you know, that they like me and that we're friends. But, but that, you know, you can spot that a mile away too. And so I would just encourage anyone who wants to pour into someone else, honestly, maybe even any age to cultivate a genuine delighted faith. And that will overflow 
And God will use that to draw people to you and to connect you to them. And you will not have to pretend or hustle or turn yourself into a pretzel to make yourself palatable to your audience because teenage girls can be really scary. I mean, they really can. I remember when I was teaching eighth grade, I taught eighth grade for, I think, six years. And I could just tell immediately when the girls didn't like my outfit. I could just feel it in the mm-hmm. room. <laughs> it's so it's so easy to get in your head about that kind of stuff and to miss yeah. the point. Mm-hmm. But I think that they can tell when we love Jesus and mm-hmm. when we're less about like nagging them to read their Bible and we're more about modeling for them how wonderful the Bible is. And I think that that really is the way to approach ministry. And I think that that's going to be the kind of thing that um, cultivates a deeper faith in them, even though the truth about this stuff is that fruit grows really, really slow. And so that can be one of the things about ministering to teenagers is because you may not see fruit right away. And you, in fact, you may see some things that are really discouraging and you're like, Oh, they're not getting it. They're not getting it. And I even look back at myself and I think like, Oh man, I totally thought I got it as a teenager and I was being such a dummy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just that fruit grows so slow. And I know that people who invested in me when I was younger, that that continues to bear fruit in my life now. So you're in it for the long game. That's the other thing. So don't expect, you know, to just see these, tremendous like flips where, where everything in their whole life is different. And and I think that happens occasionally, praise God, but for the most part, it grows really slow. And then the other thing about teenage girls is they have this way of being able to look like they're not paying attention at all and they don't get it, but they actually do. It's really sinking in more the, than you think. And so we can judge their facial expressions and kind of punish ourselves for that and think like, oh, you know, I, I prepare this lesson or I try to guide them through this book of the Bible and they just looked like they were zoned out. Um, and that's where I think that we have to come to the Lord and remember that our approval is fixed in Jesus and we don't have to, um, I don't know, we don't have to have to offer anything other than God's word. and We can just be faithful to do it and trust that it does bear fruit over time. So I, I think that all those things are helpful ideas to think about, um, reaching teenage girls. Mm. It's so many good things you said in there. And it's really about our, it really, uh, half of it seems like it's just in what we have to do. Yeah. We have to fix our, our approval is in Jesus. Mm. It's not in, you know, do we have the cute shoes? I mean, I remember in high school, you know, the, the girls that would look you up and down to make sure that, you know, you were trendy. And I never was. I mean, let's be Me honest. Neither. So can you imagine of them doing that to an adult? And, you know, we feel like we're kind of transported back into that time. Like, oh, my shoes aren't cute enough. But we have to, <laughs> we have to remember our approval is fixed in Jesus. It's not whether they like us or not. Um, and it's about that overflow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, I feel like you're saying, like, be faithful in what God's called you to do. Yes, but would that be right? There, there really, there's a lot of unique discouragement that can come with ministering to teenagers. Um, I, yeah, I just think it's it's uniquely discouraging, and every every kind of ministry has its angles of discouragement. So I'm not saying it's even harder than ministering to other people, but it, it's unique, and and so I think it requires a resiliency um, 
that is only forged when we cling to the gospel and we understand it for ourselves. But then the beautiful thing is that the places where we're applying the gospel to ourselves is going, going to equip us to lead those girls to apply the gospel to themselves. Because when we are worried about the way we come across, the way we said a thing, what we're wearing, blah, 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 they carry around those same fears And so the way that God comforts you with his truth in those places, you can comfort them with the comfort that you received in Christ. So I think that the challenges are invitations and and actually really helpful because it is good to feel small and insecure for a moment and let the gospel um, be real in that place so that you can, you know, share the gospel for people who feel small and insecure I, I just think, yeah, it, it actually is probably a gift. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's good. So what did they want? You are, you know, you wrote a book about how to disciple and um, focused in on that age and, and you've taught girls for years and you have, you know, you're a pastor's wife. So you've seen a lot of girls come through your um, ministry and, you know, we've all been girls before. So what would you say that they want in this 2021 year? What do they want from their moms? What do they want from their teachers? What do they want from us that would be mentoring them? Well, I think one of them, we've kind of touched on it already, but it would be steadfastness. Um, So much of the world is very unsteady and unpredictable. And what a relief it is to know you have a person who is committed to you and is willing to hit the pause button on their life to talk you through something. I just think that that's such a treasure. So I would definitely, I think they want that. I don't know that they could articulate that for themselves, but I, I, I believe that's what they want and what they need. And then I also just think they need someone to lift their gaze everywhere we look. I mean, I've been thinking this for myself, but there are so many opportunities to be discouraged and overwhelmed and defeated and, yeah, I mean, to just to just think like, what's the point of all of this? And it is so beautiful to have somebody who's determined um, to lift your gaze. And so those those would be the two things I would think that they if they, you know, could articulate it, I would think that mm-hmm. what they what they would want. OK, so do are they yearning for that mentorship? Are they yearning for God's word or are they to him? I don't know, too embarrassed or too, you know, too cool to ask that. What would you say about that in relation to God's word? Well, I just, I really think it depends on the girl. I mean, there's, there's definitely going to be some who have a hunger for it. There's Mm -hmm. some who we know um, have a hunger for it, but they don't know that they need it. You know, it's like sometimes you can be um, shaky because you haven't eaten, but you haven't realized yet that you're hungry. And so I think that the hunger um, is there, but um, maybe not identified. And so in that way, we have the opportunity to, yeah, feed those who know they're hungry, but also to show um, the life-giving nature of God's word to those who have not realized how much they're actually in need of it. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of it, we touched on this earlier about modeling it for them. Yeah. I mean, if we're modeling the gospel in our own life, then they're going to say, whoa, that's, that's 
true in her life, it can be true in my life. I like that you said that earlier about modeling. And, you know, I think back to when I was in high school and there were like seasons, like one season I was reading Experiencing God and it was like the best ever. And I thought that my leader was like the smartest woman ever. And then the next year it was like, something was happening with my friendships or whatever. And I was just like, Meh, I don't want to totally, do it. Totally. You know? So, I mean, we have to kind of allow for that too, especially with hormones, right? Hello. Oh yeah. I mean, you just never know. You just never know. <laughs> especially because, I mean, I do think that you can just look on the outside and, and think, you know, whether they want God's word or not. And and it's, mm-hmm. it's really not, I, I don't, I think they're more complex than we think. And there's so much happening maybe behind the curtain that, um, that we can't see. And so it might be less about diagnosing them and more about being faithful on our end and trusting God to go to work because we just can't see and we can't know. And I think, I do think teenagers have this unique ability to kind of bury things in a way that we can't see it. If they don't want us to see it, we're we're not probably going to see it. So yeah, I think that the main concern would be faithfulness. And then we can pray to God to give us wisdom to know how to serve specific girls. And I think over time, he will reveal that, especially if you're faithful um, with a few, you know, you'll be able to see even better. Hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book called Better Than Life, How to Study the Bible and Like It. I love the title. Thank you. (laughs) So tell me what you wrote about in that book, specifically about literacy and teenage gals. Yeah, well, well, the subtitle really is what sums it up, how to study the Bible and like it. So while many Bible studies are going to help a girl go through a passage or a concept, this Bible study is designed to equip them to study on their own. So in the study, we deep dive Psalm 63, but it's not just for the purpose of learning and applying the truths of Psalm 63. It's for the purpose of teaching and modeling Bible study skills that those girls can use on other passages and for their whole life. And so really my goal is, is I keep thinking about that idea I said earlier that fruit grows slow is while part of me wants girls to do the study and immediately say to me, I loved it. That was so great. Blah, blah, blah. What I, what I really ultimately want is that 10 years from now in a way that I can't even see a girl opens her Bible and is less intimidated and feels like she knows what to do and doesn't open it and feel lost. Like, like I have felt so many times. And so I'm, uh, this study is my investment in the long-term spiritual health and thriving and literacy of the girls of today. And, you know, our world right now is so difficult and we're at a unique time where it's, it's harder than ever to apply God's word And yet we are so aware of how desperately we need to do that, but we can't apply God's word appropriately if we don't comprehend God's word, if we haven't wrestled with how to interpret it, all those things. And so I keep telling myself when the world feels so crazy is I think like, well, maybe in a small way, I've helped some girl out there 10 years from now have a better understanding of how to apply God's word to her life and live it out and impact the world for his kingdom. So this is a, yeah, this is a a long-term thing. Mm -hmm. I do like when people tell me that they like it right now, but, but yeah, my real hope is 10 years from now, 30 years from now, I hope that this is the kind of study that, that reaches far um, rather than makes an initial like splash in someone's life. 
Mm, reaches far and not makes some small splash. I love that. And I, you know, I'm thinking about how, you know, if they get this at 16, 17, 18 years old, or even, you know, younger than that, 13, 14, if they get this, if they get it, mm-hmm. if they learn how to study their Bible for their own, then women's ministry in 10 years is going to look different. Oh, yeah. Because we're going to go deeper instead of, teaching and training, which a lot of women are doing. I mean, that's why I'm doing this whole series in January, starting the, you know, starting fresh the first of the year to really like learn how, what are the questions we ask when we study our Bible? How do we study it for ourselves? Because if we can do that, and if we can teach the younger generation that, wow, how our ministry is going to look so different in 10 years and how their lives are going to look so different in 10 years. Yes. Yes. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Okay. So tell me some practical ways. How are some practical ways we can pour into not just our teenagers or preteens, but even in our children? How can we pour into them in the areas of biblical literacy? So one mantra that I kind of have for my life, one approach that I have is don't just urge, but equip. And so sometimes we think that we are maybe pouring into those in our lives by urging them to do the right thing. Read your Bible, say in the word, read your Bible, say in the word. That's all fine and well, but I think that our urging has to be accompanied by equipping. So I'm glad that you asked this question because we don't just want to tell girls to stay in the word. We want to equip them to stay in the word because sometimes that like vague spiritual to-do list can just feel so heavy. And I think that for a lot of my life, I just heard maybe stay in the word, but I didn't understand what that meant. And so I think that you can offer very small, specific skills that help them. So like one that comes to mind is genre. When they open the Bible, do they, and, and they pick a book to read in the Bible, do they know the genre of the book. Now that can sound academic, but it's actually something they very naturally do in their real lives because they can discern between song lyrics and a recipe and a textbook. And they know, okay, I'm not going to expect this. I, these Ikea dresser instructions to inspire me like song lyrics. And I can't expect these song lyrics to help me set up this dresser. Like they already know that. And yet sometimes we come to the Bible without even that same basic discernment. And we might read a poem the way we read law, or we might read a letter the way we read a story. And things just get kind of funky when we do that. So that's a really basic thing to tell them to do. It's it's easy to find different lists of, of genres online somewhere. And I have a page in the back of Better Than Life that lists different genres. And so that's a question that they can ask themselves when they get to a book. Okay, what kind of book is this? What kind of writing is this? So that'd be one. Another specific skill is just definitions. And again, this is like a basic thing, but for some reason we just don't think about it when we read the Bible. If there's a word that you only vaguely know, just look it up. I think that just just do it. Just look it up. Sometimes I have it because I feel like somewhere in my heart, I'm like, oh, I should know what that means. Or, well, I kind of know what that means. But I look up embarrassing words almost every time I read the Bible and my Bible reading and my Bible joy is better for it because something about just reading the definition makes me go, oh, I just get that a little bit more. You do not have to pretend like you know everything. You Mm -hmm. get to look up the definition. So I think that is another good skill. And then another, the third one that I'll mention this is more about heart posture, but, but it's a skill too. And this is applying the gospel to your Bible reading. 
there's this ironic thing that we do where we can read the gospel and literally not apply the gospel to our reading of the gospel, which means that we think we earn our righteousness or we think we earn God's favor or we earn our good girl badge by getting the Bible reading done. And nothing is going to suck the Bible reading joy out of your spirit like that. And, and I say that as a person who lived under that for years and years without realizing it. And so now part of the way I fight for joy in God's word is by paying attention to when that creeps up in my heart. And I say, no, I do not earn God's favor by reading this. I'm not reading this to ward off his disappointment because his delight in me is fixed and my approval is fixed because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. And so I always think about the story of, you know, Jesus is um, baptized and God speaks over him. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. That is God's posture towards his son, Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, we are covered in his righteousness and God looks at us with that favor. And so it's, this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. We do not have to hustle for our righteousness or prove ourselves or earn a good girl badge or whatever. Instead, we get to remember the gospel and revel in God's favor as we read his words to us. And so I think that that is a super helpful and necessary skill if you want, you know, girls and and ourselves to be in God's word long term. Mm. And that's and that's what it's all about, really, is is seeing the gospel in the scriptures. And it's it explains. I mean, kids, they're very you know, they, they're very literal. They want to know, you know, do we do this because we check off the box or do we do this because of our love for wanting to know Jesus more and seeing and looking for the gospel in that passage? Oh, that's great. That's really good. Know the genre and the definitions that we can look up and to apply the gospel to our reading. That's right. Yeah. That's That's good. Really good. And I think that you know, I think that like when we pour into teens and I, anytime I try to teach someone how to read the Bible, I don't come at them with 65 things. There mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. are 65 things and it's really easy to get overwhelmed. Instead, I'm like, yeah. let's do two or three, mm-hmm. two or three skills. Let's do them for a while until they kind of become second nature and, and then add a thing. There's always going to be a, a, another tool in the, in the, your tool belt. There's always going to be more you can add. And so I would say just to prevent overwhelm, you know, pick a couple of things and that's the way we do it in Better Than Life is I, you know, I, I lay out a thing at a time and let them apply it. And, and, and yeah, and I hope that that is a helpful way to kind of ease them into it um, rather than, I don't know, you don't want to treat it like they're writing a research paper because there definitely can be as much required of you as something like that, you know. But yeah, in this for the long game, you know, we're not in it to read a book perfectly and, and check every box where we're, the point is to meditate on God's word and to delight in him. And so we get to do it slowly and you can always come back and study that book again once you know, once you have more tools. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, and just the, it, it just sparks that joy that 
of the joy of reading God's word. Yes. And a lot of it is modeling. A lot of it is modeling to our own kids, regardless if they're, you know, young preteens or teenagers or, you know, five years old, they're going to see that they're going to notice that you have done this well um, for women too, because you have how to study your Bible um, download. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So that um, when I learned how to study the Bible, when I finally got some tools in my tool belt, because for a while, the only tool I had was read. It's like, just read it. So I just kept reading it. <laughs> I didn't, that was it. And, and sometimes I felt just like it passed by like uh, on a conveyor belt and I couldn't grab hold of it in a meaningful way. So once I got some tools, I started trying to figure out how to put them all down in a way that was an easy reference for me because it was easy to get overwhelmed. I was learning things in all these different spots and I just wanted to kind of corral it in a way that made sense to my brain. So at a certain point, I think I shared on Instagram about what I used and I had several people say like, oh, well, wait, where'd you get that? And I was like, well, I just, you know, I gathered it from all these different places that I studied and I had already had the documents on my computer and I gave them out to people all the time. So I just kind of sharpened it a little bit and created a download that I call the simple study binder because it's a way to organize uh, your notes because the way, sometimes the way I study is I print off the um, text of the Bible with big giant margins and like double space. So there's plenty of space for note taking, but then I just had piles of paper everywhere. And I was like, what in the world am I going to do with all this stuff? And it kind of felt chaotic. And so I created kind of an organization and a place at the beginning where I can have reference pages, you know, that I can easily look to when I'm studying. So that is a download that I have and that is it's just genuinely something that I use and enjoyed and then was so excited to see that other people found it helpful. It's very helpful. I love it. I, I, I love the idea of that you can spread out. I write big. I want to spread out. And so when you're going through a book, you know, say you're going through the book of John, it is a great way to copy and paste the, the words mm-hmm. and then print it out and you have much room to write. And I love the skills that you teach in that. I think that is a really good resource. So tell everybody where they can find that and the book that you have, uh, Better Than Life, and tell us a little bit where we can find those things. Sure. So home base is probably writercaroline.com or Instagram at writercaroline. And then usually everything's just linked from that place. Um, and so I have a shop on my site um, where you can get the simple study binder. I have a something linked in the beginning navigation that says better than life, where you can go see all the different places where better than life is sold. Um, probably the easiest place to get everything for better than life is lifeway.com slash better than life because they have the, the uh, participant book. They have the leader guide that, you know, comes with all the videos that goes with it. They actually made it now where you can rent the videos, which I think is really exciting because sometimes, you know, the price of the leader kit can be a deterrent so you can rent them. And um, yeah, that's kind of home base for, for all the different better than life things. Well, and the book is beautiful. Oh my goodness. When, listen, <laughs> my whole life, my whole life. I mean, literally in third grade, I remember being like, I really want to be a writer, but what if I write a book and it has an ugly cover? Like I will die. I have, I have said that my whole life and I could not believe how cute this cover was. I just, I mean, I'm in love with it. It is. 
It I is. It. I mean, you can't go wrong with a pink cover. Hello. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, y'all go find her thing. She has amazing resources. Go find her online. And um, before we conclude, I always end, you know, you've been on the podcast once when you shared your story and it's called Stay Weird. And when you talk about being a pastor's <laughs> wife, which I love, I'm like, it's just I love it. And then you came on with your ministry story and soul weekend, which is a ministry you started up with your best friends. And it is an incredible way to give women uh, from different churches, a retreat area to go to, not an area, but a retreat to go to and to, to study and to rest and relax. And so you have so many things, but um, before we end all this, I want you to share with me, um, the eat, read, love segment. Caroline, what are you eating, reading, and loving? Okay. So eating, I was thinking, I was like, I bet this is what I said last time, but it's just (laughs) what I, what I like. My favorite thing in the whole world is Mm. fresh guacamole. Like, like I'll never, I don't think I could possibly be in a bad mood while I'm eating it. I just love it so, so, so much. That's like my soulmate food. Okay. I would say that is what I'm eating. Okay. Do you, do you make it yourself or do you buy the stuff already made up? I love to make it myself, but I I really don't, I got to get better at purchasing avocados because I feel like they betray me. I'll cut it open. And then I'm like, what are you doing? And that makes me, I can hardly bear it. It makes me, it crushes my soul. So I like to just, you know, go to Las Delicias and get it. Yes. Um, that's a restaurant near us that, oh, so good. Mm. Well, I ha- I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. You know, you can freeze avocados. You can? You can freeze them. When you first get them, I saw it on somebody's thing on Instagram. It was some kitchen, but I don't know who it is. It was somebody professional, but I don't know who it is. You can freeze them and then you cut them open and they are like new. I'm that's serious. what I need to do. I need to find, once yep. I know they're good, I need to just go buy all the avocados. Yes. Buy a bag and then freeze them. But yeah, there you go. There's your tip. Um, you gave us a lot of biblical tips. I'm giving you an avocado tip. I- <laughs> I, I don't, that's not an even trade. I'm so sorry. No, it, it actually, it really is. Okay. I'm so excited. Okay. So what are you reading and loving? Okay. I just, well, I'm, I, I guess I'm about halfway through with the lazy genius way. Yes. Um, I just love, I, good. all the lazy genius stuff is so helpful to me because my brain just doesn't work like that. So mm-hmm. it's been really helpful to have somebody I don't know, help me. Like, like I talked about with my family, like our house can get so chaotic. It really helps when somebody helps you cut through the noise and figure out an easier, better way to do something that actually serves your family, fits your life. So I've really enjoyed that. And then loving. So this is probably silly, but the, I just started a couple days ago, something called a contentment challenge where you know, where you don't buy any wants or any extras for like three months. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm like day four. So this is I, check with me like towards the end, but <laughs> I have found it to be such a relief, you know, and I'm not like a crazy spender by any means, but I, I hunt for deals a lot. And I think that I spend my wheels more than Maybe I want to just trying to make sure I can find the best price for things. But having the rule right now for a short season of just don't buy any extras, it just means any email, I just delete it. I just don't think about it. And I have been like, this is great. 
this is great. Now it's not great for forever, you know, but for a reason, I've just found it to be such a relief and to just know that the answer is not buy a new thing. The answer is work with what you already have. And I have just, I don't know. I'm just really grateful for it right now. But like I said, in three weeks, you know, check on me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I like that it's for a certain time and you know what you need to do. Yeah, I I like that. I don't know if you follow Nancy Ray. I think that's her Instagram handle, but she's Mm -hmm. the one who does it. She starts, she does it every year. She, she started January 10th. It's going to end April 10th. And I just, I would net, it's very not like me to even sign up for such a thing. Um, but I'm serious. Like my mom was like, you are, I'm like, I know what's happening, but I just thought it sounded like a relief and it totally is. Okay. So one last thing that you would want to tell a mom or somebody that is wanting to pour into their daughter, or I guess that would be a mom, um, or somebody that would want to pour into a high school or maybe somebody that is on staff at a church or as a lay leader, what would you say to them? I think I would say, remember who the savior is and who isn't, because we can look at those that we're supposed to minister to and feel that burden so deeply. And I think it's beautiful that we feel burdened and it gives us a glimpse of the way the father feels towards us. But on the other hand, we can bear it inappropriately and we can think it's all up to me. I've got to do this, but it's not true because you are not the savior. You get to lean on the savior. And instead of being the savior, you get to be the servant. And then also you're not in it alone because your savior is so kind to you and did not ask you to do this work alone. He gave you a whole church body. And so when you feel overwhelmed by something your daughter is going through or something a girl in your small group is going through or or whoever, You can leverage not just the savior of the world who is with you and beside you and before you and behind you, but you also get to leverage his church and his people. And that's primarily the way that God provides is through people. We can see that throughout scripture. And so do not bear the burden on your own. Satan will tempt you to think that that's what you're supposed to do. But instead, you get to look to your Savior. You get to look to his church, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and bear that burden with them. And that's the only way we're going to be able to stay faithful to do this thing because it is heavy, heavy work. And being asked to pour into the next generation can feel almost oppressive. It can it can just completely weigh us down. Um but God is strong where we are weak and he has already provided all that we need for life and godliness. That's second Peter one, three, one of my go-to verses that I look around in my life and I'm overwhelmed. And I say, he's already given me everything I need for life and godliness. So what am I not seeing that he's already provided? And, and most of the time, the answer to that is a person who I can ask for help or ask to come alongside me. Mm, that's good. I heard that verse yesterday in a small group. Uh, that's an incredible verse. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today to share about the resources you have and just the heartbeat it is for us as moms or as small group leaders to pour into the next generation. Thanks, girl. Thank you, Ren. Love what you do.